aboard the story train. It's me, Birdie. I'm the conductor, and I wear a green baseball cap with a little white birdie on the front and my favorite overalls. Find a comfy seat. We're about to leave the station, and you know what that means. We're going someplace new. There goes the sound of two whistles. We're headed for the rainbow tunnel that will take us far, far away. We go in the rainbow tunnel, and when we come out the other side, who knows where we'll be? I wonder where the story train will lead us this time. Here comes the end of the tunnel. We've arrived at our destination, the bustling city of London, England. It's a bright, clear morning here in the city, not a cloud in the sky. A rare treat, since it often rains in London. And in this big city, there lives a dog detective who's about to start a brand new case. This story is called Snoop the Dog Detective. Snoop is a dog detective, but what does that mean exactly? Well, little listener, a dog detective is a very special breed of dog with a very important job. You see, a dog detective is trained to track down clues. They're trained to solve mysteries. And they work for the International Dog Detective Agency. On this particular morning, Snoop the Dog Detective is on a case. It's called the case of the missing dog hat. But I'm getting ahead of myself. First, let's meet Freckles, the leader of the International Dog Detective Agency, who also happens to be missing a hat. Snoop here, said Snoop, the dog detective, when his radio-controlled dog collar beeped. Hello, Snoop. It's me, Freckles, said Freckles. Freckles the Dalmatian, only called Snoop in the field when something very big was afoot, so Snoop was a little bit nervous. What can I do for you, Freckles? asked Snoop. Freckles explained that she had been wearing a nifty little hat when she left for her tea and biscuits at the bark park, but when she returned to her office at the fire station, the hat was missing. So you see, Snoop, said Freckles, I have quite a big problem. My hat is missing. The case of the missing hat, said Snoop. Righto, Captain. Now, if I may, a few questions. Please proceed, said Freckles, but make it snappy. I've got a doggy haircut in ten minutes. Of course, said Snoop. Now, could you tell me the route you walked to get to the bark park? Freckles explained that she had walked from the fire station past the mailbox, under the bridge, up the light pole, across the roof of the cafe, along the sidewalk, and into the park. Snoop was very good at asking questions, and he asked Freckles if she had taken the same way back. Freckles had taken a different route home, down the street with the yellow house. Then, Snoop asked if the hat was still on her head when she made the return trip. I only noticed the hat was gone when I got back to the fire station, said Freckles. 
I have no idea when I lost it. Finally, Snoop asked what color the hat was, and Freckles told Snoop that the hat was blue. Armed with all the information he needed, Snoop proceeded to the mailbox by the fire station. The moment Snoop arrived, he found his first clue. Very interesting, Snoop said, for he liked to talk to himself when he was about the business of solving a case. It appears Freckles brushed right up against this mailbox post, as dogs like to do. There, stuck to the mailbox post, was a bit of blue thread. And not only that, but the thread kept going down the sidewalk. Snoop thought this was quite a good stroke of luck, and followed the blue thread. The blue thread kept going, and eventually it led under the bridge, where Snoop found a duck swimming in the water. Pardon me, said Snoop, but did you happen to see a hat anywhere near here? The duck told Snoop that she had seen a hat sitting on top of a dog only recently, but now the hat was gone, and so was the dog. Snoop logged this very important clue into his detective notepad and continued on. The clues were piling up. Soon, Snoop arrived at the light pole. Freckles had somehow climbed up the light pole, and sure enough, the blue thread continued up onto the roof of the cafe. Snoop was a good dog detective, but he was not a good climber, so he decided to find his way to the sidewalk where Freckles finished her walk to the park. There, he found that the blue thread continued. Snoop happily followed the blue thread until he was standing in the bark park where Freckles had enjoyed her tea and biscuits. Fascinating, said Snoop. Blue Thread kept on, out of the park and down the street with the yellow house. Snoop followed the Blue Thread all the way to the fire station, and there he had a very big thought. I have solved the case of the missing hat, Snoop said. I must go and tell Freckles right away. And so he did. Snoop ran right into the fire station and found Freckles sitting on her dog bed having just received an excellent haircut. I thought you were looking out for my missing hat, Freckles said. Do you have an update on the case? Snoop said that yes, he did have an update. I have solved the case, Snoop said proudly. That is very good news, said Freckles, but I don't see my hat. Where is it? Snoop explained all about the blue thread that started at the mailbox and went under the bridge and up the light pole and across the roof of the cafe and down the sidewalk and into the park and past the yellow house and... Yes, I know all about that, said Freckles, but where is my hat? And then Snoop told Freckles the answer. I'm afraid your tiny blue hat is... everywhere. Freckles was confused. So Snoop explained. You see, said Snoop, your blue hat caught on the mailbox when you walked by, and then you kept walking as your hat unraveled. It unraveled under the bridge, up the light pole, across the roof of the cafe, down the sidewalk, into the park, past the yellow house, and right back here. If you look right there, you'll see your hat ended right in front of you. And sure enough, the long blue thread did come to an end 
right in front of Freckles' dog bed. It turned out the entire blue hat unraveled along Freckles' journey right off the top of her head. Your hat has been found, said Snoop. It's under the bridge, up the light pole, across the roof of the cafe, down the sidewalk, into the park, and down the street in front of the yellow house. Freckles was quite amazed at the fact that her hat had gone from sitting on her head to sitting all over town, but she had to admit it made sense. The case was solved. Good job, Snoop, said Freckles. I will have to go on a long walk to retrieve my hat. That you will, said Snoop. Snoop asked if there was anything else he could do for Freckles, and she said that there was. In fact, there was a very big thing Snoop could do. Snoop sat at attention, and Freckles explained that a brand new dog detective recruit needed training, and Snoop had been chosen to do it. It would mean a long journey by ship, across the pond, and over to the town of Pflugerville, where the training would take place. Snoop had never traveled outside of London, so he was a little bit frightened of the idea. But he was also a very good dog detective, and if a trainee needed him, then off he would go, as all good dog detectives would do. And so it was that a grand adventure began, and the adventure was called Snoop and Sniffy. Did you know you can hear the whole story of Snoop and his trainee? You can. Just search for Snoop and Sniffy wherever you get your podcasts, and you too can be a dog detective like Snoop and hear all about his amazing hunting for clues. He might even need your help solving a big case. The story train is rolling on, out of the city of London, and back to the train station. Make sure you're all tucked into your train seat. We're headed back to Pflugerville, where Snoop has just arrived, and he's about to meet Sniffy. So exciting. Come back again. The story train is always on its way to somewhere far, far away. All aboard the story train, it's me, Birdie. I'm the conductor, and I wear a green baseball cap with a little white birdie on the front, and my favorite overalls. Find a comfy seat, we're about to leave the station, and you know what that means. We're going someplace new. There goes the sound of two whistles. We're headed for the rainbow tunnel that will take us far, far away. When we come out on the other side of the tunnel, we could be anywhere. I wonder where the story train will lead us this time. Here comes the end of the tunnel. We've arrived at our destination, a regular old town in the state of Kansas in the United States. As a train conductor, I know all about how it feels to go up and over mountains in the story train. But we won't be doing any of that on this trip because Kansas is very flat. Some would say as flat as a pancake. 
and in this small Kansas town, there lives a boy called Henry, who just so happens to be eating a pancake. Henry is having kind of a difficult morning. Shall we stop in and see why? This story is called The First Day of School. Henry was eating pancakes for breakfast because pancakes were his favorite food. He liked pancakes even more than ice cream. But mom, Henry said as he pushed the pancake around the plate, what you're saying doesn't make any sense. Well, sure it does, Henry's mom said. Eat your pancakes. We have to start walking real soon. If I'm not with you, then I'm with Dad, said Henry. And if I'm not with Dad, then I'm with you. And if I'm not with you or Dad, then I'm with Nana or Gramps. Today is different, said Henry's mom. Today is your first day of school. We don't go to school with you. That can't be right, said Henry. I can't just go someplace all by myself. You won't be all by yourself, said Henry's mom. There will be other kids, and you'll have a teacher. Henry stared at his plate, poking holes in the pancakes with his fork. Can't you come with me, he asked. Henry's mom got down on one knee and looked up at Henry. School is for making new friends and for being more independent. Lots of kids go to school. You're going to be fine. Dad, are you hearing this? Henry yelled. Mom is trying to send me away to school. Dad already gave you a big hug and left for work, said Henry's mom. Oh yeah, I forgot about that, said Henry. Henry wasn't so much afraid as he was confused. He'd never been out in the big world without his mom, his dad, his nana, or his gramps. What if he got lost? You won't get lost, said Henry's mom when he asked her. Come on, my brave little boy. Let's get your backpack and start that walk. Henry checked all the items in his backpack to make sure he had what he would need. He'd wanted to pack a tent, a sleeping bag, and a fishing pole. But Mom said it wasn't that sort of trip. At school, he would need pencils and markers, crayons and paper, a lunchbox with food inside, and a juice box. School sounds like a strange place, Henry said as he put his backpack on. It wasn't too heavy, and he liked the way it felt on his back, like he was leaving on a big adventure. Off we go then, Henry's mom said and they walked out the door and down the front walkway. They turned left at the sidewalk and kept going towards the school. This doesn't make any sense, Henry said again as he shook his head from side to side. I can't go by myself. Henry's mom stopped walking and looked up into the blue morning sky. Then she got back down on that one knee and held his little hands. If you really don't want to go to school, we can go back home and try again tomorrow, said Henry's mom. But I think you're going to like school. 
Henry turned and looked back towards his house, which was too far away to see from where he stood on the sidewalk. Someone was coming towards him. In fact, two someones were coming towards him. One was an adult, and one was a girl about his age. Hi, said the girl when she stopped in front of Henry. I'm Willa. What's your name? Henry said his name was Henry. Hello, Henry, said Willa. I'm going to school today. Me too, said Henry. Can I ask you a question, Willa? Sure you can, said Willa. Does it seem strange that we're going to school by ourselves? I've been telling my mom that all morning, Willa said. But she won't listen. My mom won't listen either, said Henry. Henry and Willa stood on the sidewalk staring at each other. Then Willa looked over Henry's shoulder. The school is right there, said Willa. Lots of kids are going inside. Yeah, said Henry. And then, like a bolt of lightning, Henry had an idea. Willa? asked Henry. Yes, Henry. Maybe what we should do is go into the school together, said Henry. Then we wouldn't be alone. We'd be with each other. That's a really good idea, said Willa. Then she turned to her mom. Mom, can I go to school with Henry? Why, sure you can, said Willa's mom. Mom, said Henry. Yes, Henry, said Henry's mom. Can I go to school with Willa? Of course you can, said Henry's mom. All of this seemed to agree with Henry and Willa, for they both smiled just then. There on the sidewalk, Henry began to feel as though things were starting to make sense again. He would not have his mom, or his dad, or his nana, or his gramps, but he would have Willa. And maybe, if he kept going to school, he would find other companions too. Willa took Henry's hand, and Henry liked this very much. On they went, onto the school grounds, and towards the front door, laughing and talking as they made their way. The two mums smiled at each other too, but it was sort of a sad smile, because deep down inside, they both wished they could turn back time. It would take some getting used to, this idea of Henry and Willa being at school without them. But it was nice to know, on this very first day of school, the two kids had each other. It's time for us to roll out of Kansas and back to the train station in Pflugerville. Henry and Willa will be at school all day while we ride back home in our comfy seats. But eventually, after a little while, they'll go back home just like us. And I bet they'll get big hugs. Until next time, this is Birdie, the Story Train Conductor, signing off. See you next time. Welcome back to the story train. 
I'm glad you decided to climb aboard. Find yourself a cozy seat, get a warm blanket, and settle in, because the story train is about to leave the station. We're on the move, and you know what that means. We're headed someplace new. It could be anywhere in the world. That's what makes the story train special. It goes through the rainbow tunnel, and when we come out on the other side, we arrive somewhere far, far away. I wonder where it could be. Only one way to find out. Roll on through the rainbow tunnel. Oh, and here we are, coming out on the other side of the tunnel. We really have traveled far from the Pflugerville train station this time. I know this place because of all the blue water and white buildings. We have arrived in Athens, Greece. The country of Greece is sandwiched between a big country called Turkey and a country shaped like a boot called Italy. Maybe someone will show you where Greece is on a map if you ask them. It's very exciting to find new places in the world. Anyway, today I'm going to tell you a story that originated in this place a very long time ago. You see, Athens is where a whole bunch of famous stories called Aesop's Fables got their start. Aesop's Fables are some of the oldest and most interesting stories ever told. And today, I'm going to tell you one that was written over a thousand years ago. But it's still a great story, even today. This story is called The Fox and the Crow. Fox was feeling very hungry, as she usually did when she started her day in the forest. It was her usual custom to wander through the forest at the break of day, searching for another forest dweller who she might be able to trick into giving her some food. Ask anyone and they'll tell you the fox was clever and cunning. Most animals of the forest knew it was wise to avoid the fox but the fox always found at least one animal on her morning walk. On this day, that animal was a bird, a crow to be exact, and it was sitting high up in a tree when Fox appeared on the path below. Well, said Fox, it looks as though I've found crow way up in the tree. It's lovely to see you this fine morning, crow. Fox knew if she wanted to get her way, she would need to be friendly. Crow could simply fly away if Fox was unpleasant. And what's this? Fox said. I see you have a large chunk of cheese in your beak. My, my, that is a lovely hunk of cheese. Crow didn't move. It simply stared off into the distance proud of its cheese, and happy as it thought about eating the cheese just as soon as the pesky fox went away. Fox, for her part, 
thought she knew where the cheese had come from. The dairy farmer at the edge of the forest made the most wonderful cheese in the world. Crow must have flown to the dairy farm, found the cheese, and carried it up into the tree. It's quite clever of you to have such a cheesy treasure, said Fox. I'm sure it was very difficult to find. The crow wanted to say that yes, in fact, it was quite difficult to find. Crow had flown all the way to the dairy farm, swooped down and grabbed the cheese, and flew away as fast as she could before the farmer could stop her. But she couldn't possibly tell Fox about her amazing adventure and how brave she was, because if she did, the cheese would fall out of her mouth. You know, Crow, continued Fox as she walked around the tree very slowly, you really do have the finest feathers I've ever seen. Shiny black feathers are simply marvelous. How do you keep them so perfectly beautiful? Crow was awfully proud of her feathers. Fox was right. They were simply marvelous. She stood up even taller and shook her tail, but she did not say anything to Fox, for if she did, the cheese would fall from her mouth. And your sharp claws, said Fox, they must be strong for grabbing things with, and sharp as swords. I wish I had claws like that, but alas, I only have dull paws. Crow could not have agreed more. Fox was right. Her claws were sharp as swords. They were much better than paws. Fox stood up on two feet and put her front paws against the tree. But maybe the most amazing thing about you, Crow, are your wings, said Fox. Such majestic wings. You can fly all across the forest while I have to walk and walk to get anywhere. Truly amazing. Crow completely agreed. Fox was right. Her wings were amazing. They could carry her high into the sky and all around the forest. Crow was so flattered, she nearly told Fox she was right about her wings, but she was afraid she would drop the cheese. So Crow spread her wings and fluttered them, just to show the world and the fox how truly magnificent they were. Unfortunately for Crow, she had pretty much fallen into Fox's clever trap by this point. All there was left for Fox to do was put the icing on the cake. Actually, the most amazing thing about you, Crow, isn't your wings, said Fox. Crow's eyes narrowed. What an insult! Of course her wings were the greatest thing about her. She was a bird. No, the most amazing thing about you, Crow, is your incredible singing voice, said Fox. 
Now, as everyone knows, a crow may have many amazing qualities, but singing isn't one of them. The caw, caw, caw of a crow is more likely to cause you to plug your ears than think how beautiful the sound is. But poor crow had fallen so far under Fox's clever spell, she actually believed it was true. Crow had the most amazing feathers. Crow had the strongest and sharpest claws. Crow had the most fabulous wings. So, of course, it was also true that Crow could sing like none other. If only I could hear that sweet morning song of the Crow, it would make me so very happy, said Fox. In fact, it would make every creature in the forest happy. Well, this sounded quite amazing to Crow. Everyone was waiting for her to sing, and in her swelling pride, she finally could take no more, and sing she did. Caw, caw, caw. Loud and full of energy, she sang. Caw, caw, caw. And oh, how it echoed across the forest, loud and brash, and, to be honest, not very beautifully. Unfortunately for Crow, it wasn't until the cheese had fallen out of her mouth that she realized how foolish she had been. The big hunk of cheese fell down and down and down and landed right in Fox's mouth. Fox was no fool. She swallowed the cheese right away, and then she was on her way. A delicious voice you have, Crow, said Fox, laughing as she walked down the path away from the tree. Crow had learned an expensive lesson, because when someone flatters you too much, they might be trying to trick you. And with that, we must leave the forest and the fox and the crow and make our way back to the train station. It's back home for us, but we'll visit Athens again very soon and hear another old and famous fable. Bundle up in your seat. The story train is on the move. If you're looking for other shows to listen to, try one of my favorites. You can find all of them by searching for Go Kid Go wherever you get your podcasts. Birdie, signing off for today. Ta-ta for now. <laughs>